Nice. All right, UFC 270 went down Saturday, January 22nd from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. The event was headlined by UFC heavyweight championship unification bout between Francis Nagano and interim UFC heavyweight champion Cyril Gaon. And Francis Nagano did the unthinkable and cashed as a plus 135 underdog and at 14 to 1 odds by a unanimous decision victory and uh it was a incredible fight boring at times uneventful crazy eventful there was a power bomb that was thrown at one point by uh francis naganu and then the co-main event uh a pretty epic ufc men's flyweight trilogy title bout between brandon moreno and devison figueredo figueredo cashed plus 170 underdog recaptures the ufc flyweight uh, belt and now basically ensures a fourth bout between the two fighters and uh, i guess basically the other story uh from the prelims raoni basalos uh was the largest favorite on the card lost a unanimous decision victory to ufc newcomer victor henry who cashed at odds at plus 425 so uh yeah we're gonna talk about it all uh me liam picks fights and lucky locks and yeah let's get into it first of all lucky locks how did uh your betting night go based just from a you know top to bottom yeah it was a good night um i came away uh with three a little over three units so can't complain at all good night liam how was your night dude i oh, made yeah. so many good bets tonight and i still came out in the red because i got a little overconfident on cody stamen um so i had four units of exposure between the decision line at what i thought was pretty good odds and then the money line and he gets submitted with basically my favorite choke instantly so i was like well you know how mad can i be you know i'm, I'm certainly upset i'd like the money back but uh you know it was a beautiful choke so god bless saeed nurmagomedov nice finish there but uh yeah i mean otherwise um made some good bets including getting the main event right so Hey, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Uh, small loss for me, but uh, still up on the year and ready to keep cracking and uh, taking Bookie's heads uh, next week and, and beyond. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, this is – I've said this before. I've said this a long time on this channel. This is why I love MMA because just like exactly the words that you just said, sometimes when you lose, even when you lose, and tonight was a perfect example of that, even though I made a little tiny little bit of money tonight, but – even when you lose and when you lose it's like the price of admission because when you lose you get awesome fights or you get to see you know crazy finishes or you know that's you get paid back it's not like the nfl where you're just like there's some terrible call and you know there's one good catch or something like that like no there's it's constant action and you get like that constant you know reward from a sport that is awesome so that's pretty much what tonight was was i love this al 100 <laughs> percent. even 100%. when we lost even when i lost there was times where i was just like yeah you know the better guy won it is what it is and then even uh times that i you know the other way it worked the same way so anyways uh the betting favorite tonight went seven and four 
but the underdog because of you know Francis and Figueredo, and then like I said, Victor Henry. You've made more money tonight flat betting the underdog than you did uh, betting on the favorite. The underdog turned 1.8 units on the money line, and then six of the 11 fights went the distance. Six of five, uh, yeah, six of the 11 went over the betting total. So all in all, pretty entertaining fight. Like a lot of people are pretty entertaining card like a lot of people were outright just shitting on this card and you know it was you know i didn't pay for it but it, it was worth paying for it if you were gonna pay for it so <laughs> uh you know i don't do that kind of thing but yeah the first fight <laughs> not for this but anyways the first fight on the card on the main card and this is exactly what i was just talking about i had you know trevin giles in this fight uh going up against Michael Morales and Morales picks up the first round victory uh, cashes that like a plus you can get plus money on both sides in this fight kind of uh, depending on where you looked you could have got Giles at like plus 105 or Morales at plus 105 and then under two and a half rounds cash at around plus 150 and fight goes to distance no cash about plus 130 and you know basically all i can say in 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 this fight we were talking about it before we started giles was pretty much winning this fight until he was losing it <laughs> you know locks can you uh you know can you add anything more you you explain it better than i did yeah i mean um morales i had a bet on him at minus 131 here and that was pretty much the best available odds when i made the bet and then the market uh, told me to go fuck myself shortly thereafter, but I did get the last laugh. Um, I really like this Morales guy on the Dana West Contender Series. He struck me as kind of a special guy. I mean, fought Nikolai Veritenikov there, and I watch a lot of regional shows. I was very familiar with Veritenikov, and is he a mind-blowing prospect? No, but he's a really solid guy, and he's certainly not a guy that you just suplex for fun at the end of a dominant win just to put a bow on it. And Morales did that, man. He's got a 79-inch reach. He's got power in his hands. He's got wrestling, and He's a guy who can do special things, and I just don't really feel that way about Trevin Giles. Like, he's a good boxer. He's a very solid fighter, but he's coming down in weight, coming down and then facing a guy who's like actually bigger than him. And it's just showing a little bit more of the X factor. And uh, Giles, I mean, when he got the takedown, he looked pretty good early. I was like, oh, man, this could, uh, could get a little hairy. And then just that counter right to the face that Morales landed. And then from that moment, it was... The writing was on the wall. It ended shortly thereafter, and uh, I was very happy to see that. Uh, I thought the opening line at minus 155 was a pretty good price, and I was happy to get minus 131, but you, know, you could have had him at plus money, for God's sake, uh, by the time the fight started. But I'm really happy to see Morales win, not only to cash the bet, but I think it's good for the UFC. I think he could be a guy to watch for the future, so I'm excited to see what's next for him. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that uh, <laughs> this might be a theme that runs throughout this show, but he's one of those guys that, you know, probably doesn't get paid all that much money and he's young. So I, I, I he's one of those guys that you will see come in short notice fight, like type of guy that steps in early, like steps in late. And yeah, keep your eye on this guy because he's one of those guys that's going to come in on like a short notice replacement and be an underdog and win because he's that good. And people, you know, a lot of maybe this, yeah, this might actually be bad for that cause just because of, you know, he was on a pay-per-view now just out of nowhere where he was supposed to be on like the third fight of the prelims. And he ended up on the first fight of the pay-per-view. So he probably got a little bit more exposure and some eyeballs, uh, but yeah, look, just keep your eye on him just because uh, I feel like this, you know, him being young, him being in the Americas, 
he'll be able to get into one of those short notice apex fights and i wouldn't be shocked to see him come in as like a projected underdog and win in like a week's notice just because man he yeah he was something special uh okay so the next fight this will be this will be you liam uh Syed Nurmagomedov defeats Cody Stamen just uh, in less than a minute. Cashes as a minus one seventy favorite. He cashed at plus eight fifty by sub, plus three to one to win inside the distance. And I was on the under here. The under cashed at plus two fifty, which I thought was just bonkers. Fight goes the distance. No, uh, plus two fifteen. And uh, yeah, you kind of talked about it when we started, Liam. But yeah, what did what did you see here, and what did you have? Yeah, I just thought that, um, you know, from everything I had seen from Saeed, he had a little bit of problems when people wrestled him and got on top. Uh, I thought that Cody was going to offer some threats in that area of the fight. He kind of was getting stung early, uh, which was a problem, because uh, then he got sloppy on his wrestling entries, which really I haven't seen from him in the past um, very often. And I think it was a result of getting stung on the feet a little bit before he got in there. But he took one... One uh, pretty lousy attempt with the head on the outside. And, you know, one of my favorite chokes, you know, if you get a guillotine choke, it's great. But what happens is people that are really good will roll over. Uh, they'll like jump over you. They'll just uh, roll to a side and it becomes very difficult to finish. But that ninja choke kind of makes it so they can pass the guard. They can do whatever, but they're not getting their head back out. Uh, so it's a pretty dangerous choke to get stuck in and, you know, once he was in there, he didn't have an answer. And basically, he thought about tapping. He tried to get out. He couldn't get out, and he had to tap. So I was like, well, that's, you know, I don't know how many iterations of this fight play out that way. But, you know, uh, credit where it's due. You know, he looked great tonight. So Saeed Nurmagomedov, dangerous guy. Nice ninja choke. Yeah. I uh, This is weird. I had I had a parlay that I was going to make with Saeed Nurmagomedov and Matt Frivola. And at the last second, I was just like, I'm not betting Matt Frivola as a minus 180 favorite in a parlay. I'm just not doing that. So I just got cold feet and didn't bet it at all. So when he won, I was like, oh, nice. And then I was like, wait, I didn't bet this. But I did cash on the under. Uh, Locks, uh, what did you see here? What did you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good performance um, coming into the fight. I thought it was a somewhat favorable matchup for Saeed just because he had a really big reach advantage here and uh, striking at range, kind of his wheelhouse. And I mean, it's not like the guy can't wrestle, but obviously I think Stamen presented threats in uh, in those areas. I just felt like the gap in the striking w was pretty big. I didn't end up getting any money down because, you know, we haven't seen Saeed in a while and Stamen is definitely no walk in the park. I wasn't run into the window to uh to back Nurmagomedov at, at minus 200 against Damon but I thought it was a really solid win for Saeed really impressive performance and great finish yeah it was it was it was a it was a good fight I will kind of say this the disrespect the no like the no sell just it was just such a disrespectful reaction of him to just completely no sell he didn't celebrate at all just walked around the cage a bunch of times gave the head nod just cold so cold it was great i absolutely loved it uh so saeed never uh if you've bet on him a hundred dollar better that has backed him on the inside the distance prop in every one of his fights i think he's now had five fights i think three by stoppage if you've backed him on the inside the distance prop 
on every one of those fights, you're now up $1,143. So the secret isn't really out. This guy has finishing capabilities, and the market seems to not realize that from time to time. And like I said, I got the under, and this is a Bantamweight fight with just the the you know the crux of my handicapping you know uh ufc bantamweight fight when you're giving me the under at plus 250 no i'm betting the under so and it, and it worked out uh good fight but this next fight i i think this fight got uh fight of the night i mean it, it would be a crime if it no i no definitely the co-main event but if not that one this one just what an absolute war this fight was uh, Michelle Faye defeats Andre Fialo by unanimous decision. Cash is at minus 260, uh, plus 250, uh, 225 on the decision prop, over two and a half rounds. Cash at plus 117. Fight goes to the distance, yes. Cash at plus 150. And yeah, this was just a, an absolute war. I had Faye and I had the over in this one. Uh, I had in a parlay with uh, Moreno, which we'll get to. So, you know, kind of all for nothing. But either way, this is so entertaining. It was like two guys that, you know, went on lunch and decided to have a fist fight. Like, you know, just two garbage pail, just just unbelievable. Just such a good fight. Uh, Liam, what did, what did you think and what did you have on this one? Oh, yeah. So this one cost me some money, too. Um Fialho was my pick on this fight, and I felt like uh, he was going to have opportunities because he's a crisp boxer, and he throws hands, and he's not afraid to come forward uh, through damage to throw shots. And like when he lands, he normally does pretty effective damage. I think I undersold a little bit, um, you know how how big Michelle Pajeda is and, and how well he'd be able to take the shots especially when he was fresh um man he's slippery too because he runs away every fucking fight he gets it like somehow just runs runs and and stays uh safe and hangs on in these fights and i even think uh he probably won the third round close it's just like he finds a way to eke it out he, he's a very good weasel in that regard um yeah i also thought that fialo would have better gas here because I've seen him perform better uh, in second and third rounds in the past. And, you know, I think it was in part the short notice nature of the opportunity for him as a oh, absolutely. itself. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's a good fighter and made a good account of himself on short notice. And uh, he'll have some fun fights at the lower level and we'll see where he goes from here. He's still a young enough guy. And it's kind of shocking how young Michelle Pahit is granted that he looks like he's like in his mid fifties, but. God bless him. <laughs> he looks like he's like uh like a mid uh 50s like yoga instructor that's completely jacked out of his mind. Yeah, like with God this, like I like I said, with this being like a Portuguese guy fighting a Brazilian guy, like I, this was just it it just was so blue collar, you know, union fight. Like it was so such a good fight, man. Like such a like just this is what MMA is. It was so sloppy at times, but just yes. Uh, <laughs> Locks, what did did you have anything on this one? I had uh, I had this fight to start round two in a parlay with uh, a pick for the next pay per view, two seventy one, 
which is uh, Casey O'Neill. Nice. I thought it was a pretty decent spot considering Pajera is a guy who goes to decision a lot, facing a guy who I think is pretty durable and who is going to pressure early. And I just kind of trusted Michel to kind of dance around the outside early. Like Liam mentioned, you know, he, he'll run away <laughs> if he gets into trouble. So uh, when he was fresh, I was feeling pretty good that we could get to see round two here. Um, you know, Fialo did come forward and try to cut off the cage and throw some heat early. And it honestly did look pretty good. But as Liam mentioned, you know, the gas tank thing, as the fight started a war on, he wasn't quite as explosive. Uh, he didn't really lead as much anymore. He kind of accepted the back foot a little bit at times. Um, I thought Pajero looked really good in the second round and that crazy front flip kick maneuver. I don't know what that was, but it entertained oh, yeah. me when it happened. And yeah, also just touch on the fact that, yeah, like you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. Pajero is huge, man. Like, I'm surprised he's able to keep uh, the pace that he does, like, looking that big at 170 because he looks really big. But, yeah, I mean, Pear comes in here and, and does what he's supposed to do uh, against the short-notice opponent. So it was a really good fight, very entertaining. Good way to uh, lead up to the two title fights after. Yeah, I think uh, I feel like I've said this before about him. Uh, he, he has, like, a little bit of Tony Ferguson to him, like, or it's kind of fog of war where he does – he does things that he's not really doing anything, but just to bug you or just to throw your timing off. And then at the same time, he's very like he's very elusive. He's very athletic. He's a fun fighter, man. Like that's there's definitely a reason why they put him in this spot. And I'll say it again: another one of those guys, young enough, probably not get getting paid a whole lot of money. So we're gonna see him a lot, probably. Uh, and yeah you know don't undersell this guy like this is he's he is what he is he's got some weird quirks to him and but basically since what did he you know the tristan Connolly blunder and then what was a neen uh uh what's uh diego sanchez those two kind of brutal performances uh apart from that he's looked good so um for him on the decision prop so he cashed at plus 225 to win by decision and that's another one a hundred dollar better who is back Faya to win by decision across his uh i think six fights in the ufc and now seven since 2019 you're up 500 so he's been a positive ev on the decision prop this whole it's just it's it's what he does and i i was shocked to see the over at plus money here uh so yeah that was a sweet one but the this fight ended up getting fight of the night and what a wild wild fight davison figueredo pulls off the victory as a plus 170 underdog over brandon moreno uh yeah plus 170 on the money line plus 500 to win by decision the over three and a half rounds prop cast at minus 125 fight goes the distance yes at plus 134 uh yeah, uh, unbelievable fight. Didn't really go the way that I thought it was going to going to go. Uh, Liam, what did you think about it? <laughs> yeah, this fight played out completely like the opposite of the way that I thought it was going to go. Um, you know, I thought Moreno was going to come in confident, uh, but you know, uh, prepared. And I thought that he fought a little bit sloppy, like you were talking about, Al. I thought, in addition. You know, Figgy looked great. You know, I think that it was surprising to me. He is coming into the fight as a 35, uh, I think 34 years old. Um, yep. As a flyweight, uh, that was a big concern for me. 
And, you know, the history of these rematches when the younger, like, champion is taking on uh, the returning, you know, older champion, the you know, the younger person wins a, a vast majority of the time, especially when you increase that age gap. There's a decent age gap between these guys. But, um, you know, Moreno was a little bit loose with the defense. Uh, I thought he was going to proactively grapple and push some advantages there. And he didn't really. And when he tried to, he was, you know, a little bit inefficient in those positions. Uh, at times he got him down. He wasn't able to keep him down. So, uh, you know, he ended up paying the price. He got dropped, I think, twice. Um, maybe even more. More than that. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'd have to even revisit the fight. But he was getting he almost sent got, all over the place. Yeah, and, he almost um, got finished at the end of the third there. But yeah, go yeah. on. No, I just... I'd have to revisit all these fights, honestly, because I was talking uh, while I was watching them as well. Um, but I, I think it was a, a very compelling fight, fun fight. I thought the draw was live as well. Yeah, um, me I, too. You know, it was a it was a really crazy fight. Um, but I think it was one of the only draws you'll ever see bent down to like plus 3,400 or something um, on a couple of the books I was looking at. So, yeah, it was a great fight. And um interested to see where we go from here because uh, I heard a lot of people talking about they're going to do the fourth fight. I think there'd have to be some wins for Moreno in between. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like for meritocracy's sake, Askarov should probably just get this fight next, but they're not going to do that. So I don't know what the next fight is going to be. It's a, an interesting open question here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, Locks, what did you uh, what did you think about this fight? And what did you have on it? Yeah, um, I had no money on a side here. I did have the over one and a half in a parlay. Um, but yeah, you guys know I'm a Figueredo fan, so prepare for me to be a little bit biased in this segment. Fair warning. <laughs> um, <laughs> really good fight, though. I mean, I agree with the scorecards. I thought that Davison got the first round, and then third and fifth, he got the knockdown. So I guess you got to chuck those his way as well. Um, I didn't think Moreno really looked bad. Um, if those knockdowns had never occurred, maybe he could have won some of those rounds in the volume. But I felt like Fig probably was, you know, the value side there. Um, I really don't want to see a fourth, the quadrilogy or whatever. I don't want to see it next, to be honest with you. I just don't want to see it. Um, I'd r- rather just give the winner of Askarov and Kaikar France the shot, kind of like they've been talking about doing. Maybe we do Moreno versus Pantoja 3 in the meantime, and then whoever wins that can be next in line behind them. Um, but yeah, I don't want to see this four times in a row as good as they are. There's just too many times to me, but yeah, I'm super happy to see fig win here. Really good fight. Got fight of the night. Deservingly. So, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild ride, man. Yeah, it was so crazy. Um, some things that I'll say, uh, I thought that Moreno definitely underestimated Figueredo. I felt that he was wildly overconfident at times in this fight, just like his demeanor. He was swinging for the fences is, his like his just his boxing it was so not as sharp and not as like he's he has this real unique style where he'll like shrug and look for looks like put his chin out to look for looks and he was doing that but he was kind of like doing it as it a, a like it sounds weird but like a parody of it like he wasn't i don't know he wasn't like fully investing in it go back and look at how he was doing it in the first fight you know he was leading with his chin like similar to like how Victor Henry was fighting tonight, just like leading with his chin and drawing the action and countering. And he was doing 
the pole counters really well with the like the bottom head movement, like like you know weaving down. But then he wasn't dipping back, so Figueroa was always catching him. And the thing I'll say about Figueroa is Moreno was catching him with like the threes and fours, whereas Figueroa was just like catching him with like a big one two. Um, yeah, it was. I don't know. I could feel it was one of those fights where I could just feel the fight was by the third round. I knew that the fight was lead, like Moreno was letting the fight slip away from him. And yeah, I, I was pretty like anybody who says this fight was a robbery, like on the on the Moreno side is just completely nuts because Figueredo won the fight. You could you know, you can make a case that it was close. I would say you'd have more of a case to say that Figueredo would have got robbed if they gave it to Moreno. But either way, sure. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say robbery though. It was a close fight, you know. I was I, I was on Moreno and watching live. I was sure that Figgy won that fight. But to be completely fair, uh, with just the crowd, you know, and just I, I just thought. There's no way Figueroa is going to win here. And then, sure enough, and I just want to mention uh, Walid Ishmael, the manager of Davison Figueroa, running into the octagon. Just that man is a creature and a half. Just go look at some pictures of that person. He is he is just a an interesting character. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I I, I want to see the I steroid bet you... staple he runs, brother. You can be <laughs> oh honest about it. <laughs> my goodness. I, I, I don't know how much cocaine was going around tonight with their crew, but <laughs> Jesus, man, that was some that was a little bit aggressive. <laughs> but anyways, I'm sure they're good people. But uh, anyways, um, I want to see Figueredo Moreno four man how many times do you see a four a quadrilogy and i'm not sure if I, you guys could maybe correct me if i'm if i'm missing something do they have uh teams for the next uh ultimate fighter because wouldn't that be you know figueredo moreno isn't that just villain. yeah that's a great good call Albeck. right you know yeah, isn't that I just like it uh, one and then with the storyline, just how it all ties back to Moreno and Cejudo, with like, you know, it, it doesn't that I I I can't be the only one that's making this connection. Like this has to be someone who gets paid a lot more money than I do is pitching this, right? Because I don't you know, think. like Figueroa Moreno is. I don't think there's ever been a quadrilogy. I know that uh, Hua and uh nog fought four times but like not all in the ufc the fourth one was in the ufc but there's never been four fights i know mcgregor and poirier maybe that's what they'll do maybe they'll put two quadrilogies oh now i'm now i'm full of ideas yeah maybe they'll put two <laughs> quadrilogies on the same card let out that's book it yeah anyways uh any uh, I, I don't know. I want to good for Figueredo though, and I'm like with you, Locks. The origin of me doing videos on YouTube goes back to uh, him with Figueredo destroying, like just absolutely murdering uh, Benavides on television, oh, and man, that's that when I was awesome, just like, <laughs> that's when I was just like, this guy is unbelievable. He's and then I put like, 
a, a small like a rent payment on him to beat Alex Perez. And I was just like telling my friends like, you know, it was basically GameStop at that point. Like I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he is going to win this fight. I promise you. And a cage grab or two later. And he did quite easily. And I kind of I got to say, I kind of I was on Figgy in the first fight and I picked Moreno in the rematch. And uh, I, you know, but then I picked Moreno in the trilogy. So I don't know. I, I know that now Figueredo 10, two and one since coming into the UFC since 2017 and a hundred dollar uh, better who's backed him on just the money line is up $737 in that stretch. So he's, I think that tonight was one of the only times he's ever been an underdog. So uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with this guy? It's almost like this is a detriment to his career because now he has to stay at flyweight. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. Speaking of crazy, you know, <laughs> I, I'm like, we, I kind of anti predicted how this was going to go uh, last week. How he said, you know, uh, everyone thinks that it's going to be gone by decision or Nuganu by KO. And I said, I'm not going to say that you can get plus money on both sides and go at it because I know I, every time I say that I get burned and sure enough, Francis Naganu picks up in one of the weirdest heavyweight fights. Yeah. I would say it's the, it was the weirdest UFC heavyweight fight I've ever seen. Francis Naganu picks up the unanimous decision victory over Cyril gone cashing as a plus one thirty five underdog 14 to one odds to win by decision. Uh, the over two and a half rounds, I was on that one, cashed at minus 105, and fight goes the distance, yes, cashed at plus 235. So, you know, I was, I explained it last week, you know, I was financially invested in Cyril Gone with, you know, just discipline. I had a one unit wager on Cyril Gone, I had a one unit wager on the over, but my heart was with Francis Naganu. You know, I wanted to see Francis Nagata win this fight. Did I think it was going to happen like this? Absolutely not. And I DM'd you guys in our group DM at the end, at the very ending of the third round. And I DM'd you guys and I said, guys, he's going to do it. And the, the fight actually kind of turned right then, right then and there. So I almost jinxed it. But uh, I just unbelievable. Liam, tell, tell me, what did you have on this one? Tell me your thoughts on this just crazy fight yeah just so everybody who's watching this show doesn't think i'm a complete mark and an idiot and i just get every bet wrong on every <laughs> card uh, you know i did i did get one right here on francis Ngannou. i bet on him in the main event and uh i had 2.54 units uh at plus 130 here on the money line so uh i didn't get burnt on that inside the distance trap um, though I did think that was the majority of his win equity, you know, this was kind of like everything had to go right for him to get this pulled off. He didn't really do a lot of damage on top. Um, if I had known about the injury going in, I probably would have been a lot less reticent to bet this, uh, oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, but dude, I, I see something about it before the event and I'm like puking in my mouth, like with all the money I have on Francis, but then I see that the the odds have frozen on some of the books. Like you couldn't even bet Francis Ngannou anymore on FanDuel. They had gotten so much action. 
it was just locked. Like he just couldn't play it anymore. So I was like, oh, okay, that, that, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Lame. Yeah, but I, interesting like, is a have, is a weird word. Yeah, it's more than interesting. That's well, unfair. I mean yeah, is, it was it was uh, open on all these other books, right? Yeah, like, I know. Like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Area, so I was. Uh, able to access him at plus 135 when I'm seeing that they locked it on another book. I'm like, so somebody just dropped a nuke on him over there. I'm going to keep playing it over here. And, you know, it was a little bit sweatier than I would have hoped. But when I wrote my preview this week, um, you know, I, I said that uh, I thought it was going to come down to, uh, in part, uh, like one of the X factors was how does Sorel Gan look on his back and what's he able to do if and when put there? And that was, you know, the defining question of this matchup, which is very little, had no answers there. Uh, Francis is a big man. He's heavy. He's hard to get off you, but there wasn't really correct frames and things. You know, some of the leg lock entries were okay, but I, I also want to say that earlier this week, I said, you know, the, the leg lock that he submitted Dante Mays with, people would get out of at my local gym. And that's just like, I see it every day. Uh, training jiu-jitsu, um, you know, just a modern game. If you're not setting up uh, a leg entanglement uh, with some seriousness, you can get out of it. And Ngannou was literally looking at him, laughing, licking his lips, and then standing back up when he was in that leg. Like he was not in danger as far as I was concerned. So um, I thought that Francis, yeah, like pretty systemically outgrappled him over the course of that fight, hit a sweep. Uh, who Francis Ngannou to hit a sweep was plus 10 million going into that fight, I think. Uh, so I, it was just a really beautiful performance by Francis. Uh, flipped the script with with one knee. You know, what a guy. With so much pressure on his back, too. I saw a tweet that said, you know, two, two rounds down uh, going into this fight. You got no knee and everybody there wants you to lose fr from your company. It's like... Yeah, this is no pressure. <laughs> My goodness, what a guy! Yeah, it was uh, definitely poetic, and that's why I was like, last week I was like, would I like to see that? Oh yes, I would love to see that because it would be well worth the you know the price of admission, which was my bets that I made. Um, but beyond that, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't trying to. Um, uh, I was just saying, FanDuel. Yo, you shouldn't be limiting people's bets. If you've taken too big of a bet, move the juice. Don't turn the bet off. That's not cool. In other countries where, like, you know, where, you know, sports books are regulated properly, you can't do that stuff. That's not cool. So just move the juice. Why are you taking the bet off the board? And then that brings me to another thing. I'll let you uh, talk. Because they don't uh, set lines out. Yeah, but they pay somebody I, else to set their lives. Uh, another thing before uh, I throw it to you, Locks. Uh, as much as I absolutely love MMA, how much more of a, any other sport do you get gypped on injury news? You know, like Joe Rogan just like casually says, "Oh, he's got leg wraps on. That might be a problem." Like. <laughs> Like, what? You know, like, how was that not told to us? Like, what if you saw LeBron James in game six of a playoff game and just came out with, like, a, you know, a, a brace on his leg? Oh, yeah, so he just happens to have an injury. Like, we need to know that. The betters need to know that. You can't have 
information confidential like that's not cool like why weren't we told uh and i bet you if that the reason that that even was allowed was because it was in uh california where you can wear knee wraps if that was in vegas he wouldn't have been able to wear the the leg wraps we wouldn't even known that he had an injury until after the fight so i'm not cool with that that's pretty uh you know i was on i was on gone and when i heard you know rogan mention it uh you know in the middle of uh, him walking out that he had this potential knee injury i was just like well you know that makes me a lot more confident on my wager uh but <laughs> we know how that went. Uh, Locks, what did you think of this one? This epic title fight? Very surprising fight, man. I mean, if you told me before the fight that Francis would have four out of five takedowns and rack eight minutes of control time all after round two and then win a decision, I would have said you were crazy, man. Um, I had the over one and a half at minus 170 to close out a parlay. I also had a quarter unit on gone unanimous decision at plus 550. And if you told me this fight went to a decision and I didn't cash that bet, I would be shocked. <laughs> and I still kind of am, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, I was honestly happy with the bet. I thought uh, it was yeah. probably 2-2 going into round five. So at plus 550, I don't really feel badly about that a quarter unit there. But, I mean, imagine what Francis' unanimous decision was playing, man. I should have taken that. Um, and I feel like a lot of people probably might have got burned on this just because they decided to forego the money line and, just play Francis inside the distance or knock out. I mean, I know I thought that was pretty much like I told a bunch of my friends like, oh, yeah, like Francis, like there's no chance he's going to win a decision. So I'm sure I'll get grilled for that uh, tomorrow morning when everyone wakes up. But uh, yeah, I mean, just really impressed with Ngannou and his ability to break out those takedowns there. Massive guy. And, you know, if he has that in his arsenal now, combined with that ungodly power, could be around for a long, long time at the top of this division. And a lot of people are talking about, yeah, you know, if Gon didn't go for the heel hook for so long, maybe the decision goes the other way, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, Gon really couldn't stop those takedowns, I mean, at all. He's pretty much just getting taken down at will, 4 to 5, 80%. And uh, this is a guy who'd never been taken down before. And then include the fact that Ngannou said that he tore his ACL and hurt his MCL three weeks ago. Just really, really impressive win. Um, yeah, surprising, but very impressive. And, uh Excited to see what's next for both of these guys in the heavyweight division. Yeah, like um, just unreal. I got to say, Ferdinand Lopez 100% let his fighter down, just giving him complete nonsense advice. Uh, where like Eric Nixick's in the corner, like treating him like a doctor treats his patient, like just like, give me some breaths, you know, okay, good. Like giving him such good corner advice, calming him down. And Fernand Lopez is just like, Cyril, you must not lose this fight. You cannot lose. It's impossible. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, like, that was no wonder Francis Naganu left, you know? And uh, yeah, as much as sometimes I just, I can't stand uh, Cormier. But at one point, Cormier was just like, oh my God, Francis Naganu is doing jujitsu. And that was that was the highlight of the night for me. And he also mentioned the thing about the Dontel Mays thing. And he said that Francis told him that somebody showed him in the back how to do that, like before he before the fight. And that's how he he uh, and I heard that before. But now that I've like now that I've seen him, how he actually can do jujitsu, I definitely believe that this dude like 
when in like five years when we look back on this fight tonight this is going to be this is this is like miraculous this perf- like against all odds you know he was the underdog like uh, the whole company wanted him to lose not to mention dana white didn't come dana white didn't put the belt on him uh and he didn't come and answer questions about francis naganu who if he stays out of his contract until december uh you know he the ufc has to invoke the championship clause for francis naganu to come back to the ufc and that could invoke that could involve a lawsuit and the ufc does not want that because then the details of francis naganu's contract will become public so this is why last week i was like remember i said this is a disaster this is the disaster that's happening is you know the the new <laughs> the MMA media is going to like uh, right now as we're speaking is is turned on Dana White because you know the the pay you know the fighter pay because it's California has all been published and then he just doesn't show up it's very reminiscent to UFC 220 when Stipe beat Nagano and you know the exact same thing happened he didn't show up to the press conference so the parallels between that fight and this fight were so clear when I rewatch, I, I went through like a career retrospective on both guys, and Gan today was in the position that Nganu was in when he fought Stipe, which is training in France with Ferdinand yeah. Lopez, and came in underprepared, got beat, got embarrassed, got out wrestled, had to come back, learn, sharpen the axe, and then he became the champion, which Cyril Gan will do one day. He's a, a, a excellent fighter, world class. His wrestling wasn't on point tonight. But how many other guys in the division can exploit that? And can, you know, freaking Curtis Blades take all the damage that Nganu took in route to this, you know, win? I don't think so. Uh, because Nganu changed him forever. But yeah, yeah. I think uh, overall, man, what I learned is that Nganu is a clever guy who's crafty and his cardio isn't as bad as everybody thought it was. Um, because we really only had one fight. That was the sample size, and it was a long time ago when he wasn't training in the states. So, training in the states is a big deal, uh, as far as oh. I'm concerned. Not not to say that you can't train other places and do well. Tiger Muay Thai, another great. If you're training there, I'll take I'll take the same uh, you know bait. But uh, I just think that it, it's one thing to wrestle with people overseas um, that aren't all Russian, and it's another thing to wrestle uh, with these Americans that are in the trenches every day. Yeah, I saw Francis Naganu Gomedov being thrown up there on Twitter. That was uh, a thing. Uh, something hilarious. This is uh, for me. This is absolutely just nuts. So I uh, Francis Naganu has had fourteen UFC fights. Um, if you've bet a hundred dollars on him to win by decision in every one of those fights, guess how much money you'd be up tonight. You'd be up one hundred dollars because he cashed at <laughs> plus fourteen hundred tonight. So that's positive EV. So you know when it, if you you know the law of diminishing returns sometimes goes the other way, and it's you know it's the law of averages. It's eventually going to happen. And I had this like subconscious inkling, you know, like no, don't say that. You know, I've like it proves that I've grown because, like I said, with the Blahovitz Israel Adesanya fight. 
I was like, there's no way Blahovitz is winning this fight, banging my fist on this channel, you know, and I was wrong. So I'm growing. I'm not going to say ridiculous predictions. Like there's no way Nagano's going to win by decision because look, it happened. So yeah, uh, you know, basically I, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't ever see Francis Nagano in a UFC cage again. Uh, I know that sucks, but I think it's the reality. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him in one championship. I think that would be a a massive like shift in in just I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I based on I don't know if anybody if you watched Nagano's words about uh, you know in the press conference he. He doesn't sound like he wants to, you know, when he was asked about future opponents and stuff like that, he just shot it down. He he was, wants to do boxing. He He's thinking of doing MMA. But when he's asked about the UFC, he's just saying, I'm not interested right now at what I'm getting paid. So solidarity to him. Uh, do you guys quickly, just for the sake of it, it's only three weeks away. Uh, do you guys quickly want to talk about the main event, UFC 271? Uh, Adesanya Whitaker, do you have any thoughts on that, Liam? Do you have any thoughts on that, Lox? You want to hit that? Yeah, um, it's an interesting fight. I'm a really big Robert Whitaker fan. Um, I'm hoping that he wins, but I just don't know if I can really get around to that side, to be honest. I mean, Adesanya's pretty damn good, and I haven't really looked into this fight too, too much, but I don't know. I just don't know if I see these guys at 185 right now being able to beat him. I just think he has he has a lot of guys' numbers in this division. Um, I feel like, you know, he's long, he's big, he's an excellent striker, and I'm just not really sure what, what Whitaker's going to be able to, to do to beat him. I mean, I think probably grappling is natural thing that we're all thinking he's going to need to do but i just don't know if he's going to be able to do that and win three out of the five rounds against uh, adesanya because he is tricky to get down uh with this long frame so i'm thinking adesanya early i'll still have to run the tape but i'd love to see robert whitaker get the win yeah to be honest i'm i'm leaning i'm leaning whitaker here what do you have any uh you know preliminary thoughts on this liam yeah, so just taking a look at the the lines that are available right now, you know, Robert Whitaker up to plus 230. Um, Adesanya, the come, or excuse me, is minus 300. Um, I think that I would also be looking at Whitaker or pass at that point. There's nothing really to be had on the Adesanya money line. Um, yes, he's probably more likely to win the fight than not, but is he more likely to win it, you know, 80 plus percent of the time that's sort of what you need there for it to be a value bet um so yeah it's not really something i'm interested in playing into i'd have to consider uh more the dynamics of the fight see what whitaker's recent takedown entries have looked like uh he has gotten hurt and wobbled in some of his recent fights which is obviously a concern against somebody like adesanya a precise striker but I also think that Whitaker, you know, he does actually have some wrestling grappling upside. The Australians, they're not uh, the best wrestlers, but some of them can get down. And uh, I think that he's he's actually among the best in terms of uh, Australian MMA wrestlers. And uh, I'd be curious to see how he can fare, um, you know, 
basically by changing his approach. I think the first time he mentioned this in in recent interviews that I've heard, he had an ego-based approach. He wanted to strike with the guy and he got fucked up. So he's like, okay, I can't strike with the guy. I got to come out here and do something different. And I do think, you know, Jan Blachowicz, it's been proven Jan Blachowicz isn't the world's greatest grappler. He was a lot bigger than him. Uh, he took him by surprise, took him down the stretch, and he beat him by grappling him. I'm not sure why um, Whitaker couldn't implement a similar game plan here, um, but obviously it's going to take a little bit more of a margin because he's not going to have the size advantage to play with. But he also can you know, move a little bit faster than Jan Blachowicz, so maybe he can use his speed and uh, some tactics here to get takedown entries. Yeah, like, I don't know. This is just, I said this last time when we were talking about the fight that we just watched tonight, and this is this is how I break down fights. You know, um, uh, Robert Whitaker, so since the Adesanya fight, you know, he lost to Adesanya, but then came back, you know, went to Till as a favorite, went to Cannoneer as a, like a coin flip, pretty much plus money on both sides. And then a una- another unanimous decision win over Gaslam as a pretty big favorite. You know, the the thing that really impresses me about Robert Whitaker, you look at his career, okay? Um, uh, you know, f- eight and one in his last nine fights, the only loss being to Adesanya. But it, w- across nine fights, you're going back to 2016. You know, Rafael Natal, who's not even in the UFC anymore, you know, uh, He's he's really spanned out. Uh, he's not even. He's he, I believe he's a little bit like a eight months or something older than Adesanya. They're about the same age. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Whitaker is. I, I just think that he's not as. I don't know. I, I just don't think. Don't sleep on Whitaker. Just I, I think that he's not as uh as battle worn as people think he was as he is yes he had those two wars with Yoel Romero but i mean that was uh 2017 and 2018 Not, he he's only fought five four times since those wars with Romero it comes down to this with me uh you know robert whitaker 8 and 1 in his last 9 six of those eight wins by decision uh Adesanya uh I believe he's 10 and 1 in his 11 fights six of those 11 wins by decision this fight is going to go the distance I'm pretty sure that's that's my call here I think that this is going to be similar to uh Adesanya Vittori 2 or Adesanya Vittori 1 I think it's just going to be a slugfest and if that's the case I I if you're giving me plus 220 on Whitaker like you said, Liam, I don't know necessarily that he's going to win the fight, but he's going to win the fight more times than the odds are indicating. So I'm going to take Whitaker. I'm saying that right now. My money, my money is going to be on Whitaker in this fight because uh, I've, you know, since I bet on Adesanya to win by decision against Yoel Romero, and since then I have not got a, a fight. Uh, I've not got a bet right in a Israel Adesanya fight. So. I'm I'm coming out for revenge, and I think Robert Whitaker. I think the values on Whitaker. I'm not going to say I think he wins, but I think the values on Whitaker. And I will say, I think this fight goes to decision because Whitaker's gone over the betting total in seven of his last nine. Like I said, six of his last nine have gone the distance. Adesanya, 
six of his 10 wins by decision. Uh, he's gone the distance in seven, even the fight that he lost, he lost by decision. I, I think this one's, I think this one's going to go the distance and I think that there's some value uh on that look any any thoughts any thoughts on that uh on that uh locks yeah i agree with you um i think it's going to go to a decision as well i think it's going to be closely contested i think i just see adesanya probably edging three or four of the rounds but uh, i mean that's not a price that i'd be looking to play him at i might look at adesanya by decision if that looks good um and just the overs as well um i agree with you i think that's probably my most confident read early is that it is going to go to the decision rather than uh, which side is going to have their hand raised at the end of the fight. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm, 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 I'm pretty confident. This is going to be a, a five round. Just um, this, this is the thing. One of the best videos I've ever seen of anybody break down a fight was uh, Robert Whitaker, um, sorry, Dan Hardy, when he broke down Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till, when Whitaker was coming back from the loss to Adesanya. And just the way that he explained, you know, Whitaker, you know, it, it, it was very uncharacteristic in the way that he fought that fight and just rushed in with his head down. That's just so uncharacteristic. You, We've almost, besides Paula Costa, who pretty much does the exact same thing, uh, we haven't really seen somebody do like we haven't seen Adesanya do that to somebody because that's the one thing you don't do. He uses your forward pressure against you. You know, it's the one thing you don't do. And he did it based on what he said, his ego and just he was so pent up in front of his home crowd. Uh, I think it's going to be different. I think this fight's going to be different. He's going to have a way better mentality. Look at the go back and watch Till Whitaker. Like that fight was awesome, and Whitaker was fighting Till, who has that similar, very fainty style that Adesanya has. And I think that Whitaker, I think that the loss to Adesanya changed Whitaker, and I think that we're going to see a a much better fighter. So I'm going with Whitaker. And uh, with that said, I think you know um, UFC 271 is exponentially a better card than. Uh, than UFC 270. Tai Tua versus Derek Lewis. Like, just absolute banger. And then Alex Perez versus Matt Schnell. I'm pretty sure that that fight has been booked for like eight months. It hasn't happened. Whoops. It hasn't happened. So uh, hopefully that, that happens at some point. Bobby Green, Nasserat Hackbrass. That's unreal. Casey O'Neill, Roxanne Monteferi. Uh, yeah. Uh, before we go, do you guys have any look-ahead thoughts for uh, UFC 271, Liam? Uh, that's a card I haven't really gotten a tape very much yet. Um, looking just uh, skimming through the the card, it looks like there's some fun matchups. Um, you know, Alexander Hernandez uh, as an underdog looks a little bit interesting against Hanato Moicano. Got to look into the Ooh. grappling angle. Little bit more there because I know he's been submitted in the past, but he's got power on the feet. Moicano normally leaves his head on a platter and gets knocked out. So that seems like something I might be interested in betting into, but I, I'll take a closer look. When, yeah, uh, when Moicano looks good, he looks so good that you look like an asshole for fading him. But when he looks bad, he looks so bad and gets roasted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, I see also Carlos Olberg versus Fabio Charant. That has. 
uh, people are going to think that that fight's going to be end in the first round and it's going to go the distance. That's uh, my my read on that. And then kind of the same, Brunson and Cannoneer, uh, I think that fight is booked. It's a, Best yeah, Fight Odds has it listed. Yeah, okay. Well, man, this is a great card compared to this card. Uh, Locks, do you have any thoughts on this, this card? Yeah, I was actually going to bring up that fight. I mean, that's between a guy who... I predict his fights right a lot in Jared Cannonier and a guy who I pretty much never do in Derek Brunson. So we'll see uh, which side comes out on top for me. Uh, but yeah, I was having a look at that fight. So uh, yeah, it, like you said, I think it is a better card than on paper than the one that we saw tonight and really looking forward to it. Just hoping that it stays together, man. That's the key. Yo, well, I gotta say, I did not see that Derek Brunson was on the card. I take it all back. I have thoughts that Derek Brunson, Blonde Brunson is coming. I haven't even looked into the matchup yet specifically, but every time he fights, I get fired up and I cash the, the Derek Brunson by sub plus 2,900 worth Darren Till. So you know that I'm looking there with binoculars for that prop market when they drop it on my man DB, see if they're going to respect him. I bet it at plus 1,400 against Kevin Holland. He put him in a submission for two and a half minutes and they doubled the price <laughs> the next time out. Okay, God bless you guys. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's definitely a title eliminator, right? Like whoever wins that is definitely fighting whoever wins in Adesanya Whitaker. Yeah, I like think one hundred percent. Kind of alluded to that. It's got to be Derek Brunson if he wins fucking twelve fights in a row and they don't give him this fucking title shot. I it's know he rematch. lost one or two in there, but you it's know. a rematch either way. He lost to Whitaker and he lost to Adesanya in very similar fashion, but. Um, how is I to be completely honest? How is Derek Brunson an underdog? A, my a plus one seventy underdog. I know that. Shh, Ken, Mac, don't tell them. Yeah. The line's gonna fucking move. <laughs> well, it happened with honest, my car of France last time. I'm like, yeah, he's right about that. And then I go to. To play be honest, yeah, you're right. To be honest, I mean, I don't get. We don't get too many viewers. By the time that we do this, it. By the time that when I cut this video, it's like two weeks ahead of time. So we kind of, you know, I don't get enough viewers where we're going to move the line. Maybe someday. But that's the beauty of this is I'll cut the video. And when people come and actually watch this, it'll be like 10 days from now. So we can, I, I think, I think Brunson wins. I don't even need to break it down. I think plus 175. More times than not, I think Brunson wins. And the value is just clearly there. Cannoneer looked good in his last fight, but he looked beatable. He looked like. Uh, you know, there were some things that you could do against him, a couple of adjustments that were just not made that I think that if they were made and Brunson is a different fighter, you know, blonde Brunson is, he's a different fighter. So I think, yeah, I Brunson plus money is 100%. And then, yeah, I mean, I, there's probably going to be a whole bunch of fights that, you know, there's probably going to be, a, who knows? I'm not even going to make, I was doom scaping last week and we only had a couple of fights drop off. So I'm not going to do the doom scaping. Uh, so I, who knows? Who knows? And it's Super Bowl weekend that weekend. They, I, we haven't really ever, I don't can't remember the last time they've had a UFC pay-per-view on Super Bowl weekend. So that's pretty awesome. But uh, the handle, that's another thing too. The handle, because that it's on Super Bowl weekend will be huge. Because people will be tying bets. Yeah, that's a that's a thing too. People will be tying bets from the Super Bowl to the UFC. So there'll be a, a big handle, meaning there'll be a lot of dumb money 
So, Derek Brunson. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, honestly. Yes, every time have... you say it, whisper it. So people don't get there too fast. That's all. All right. So it's 4.45 in the morning. Liam uh, locks. Uh, Liam, do you, do you have any parting words before we get out of here? Uh, sure. I just want to say um, thank you very much for having me. It's always a great time. Um, you can find my work always at Liam Picks Fights all over the place. I wrote a main event preview once again for Roto Grinders, hit another main event underdog, uh, Francis Ngannou this time. And, um, you know, I thought I asked a lot of the right questions here. Um, so, you know, proud of the work. Uh, the main events have been doing very well for me. Got to clean it up the rest of the way. Cody Stamen, you son of a gun. You cost me so much money. But, uh, yeah, we're going to freaking figure it out and uh, – get back on the horse and uh, do the same thing that we do every week attack and uh, have a good time. So cheers to everybody for watching along and hope you guys had fun. I, I had a great time and we'll get back after it and uh, attack the bookies again, hopefully at an earlier time when I'm a little bit more awake. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is what it is. This is the beauty of it. We get the, the raw, the rawness of the 4am right after a loss and whatever else locks, you know, next we got a week off. We also got Bellator and some CFFC next week. Uh, do you have any thoughts before we get out of here? Um, yeah, just kind of the same. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it. Uh, always great chopping it up with you guys. You can find me on YouTube, Lucky Locks Picks, Twitter, same thing. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a good time. Yeah, definitely a good time. And I think uh, I think I know I'll I'll do something for Bellator. Uh, depending depending what happens i'm going to put out something at some point uh just with my ufc betting trends i've been meaning to put out i definitely need to put it out before like the end i'll definitely i'll put it out before the february 5th card just like explaining the way that i i bet and it's not really my opinion anymore it's just the data and uh i i would like to share that and i think it needs to be shared but beyond that uh yeah thanks this card was you know, it was a lot better than a lot, a lot, a lot of people thought it would be, and yeah, don't count it out. And yeah, who knows next time that it'll be interesting when we see, uh, you know, Francis or not Francis Nagano when we see like Cyril gone versus Stipe for the the UFC heavy or the interim heavyweight championship in like eight months when Francis is held out. So. Hopefully that train wreck keeps on going and we could just watch. And until then, uh, I'm going to keep stirring the pot until then. Okay. Talk to you later, guys.